Welcome everyone to been here. I just, I love this guy. And um, he's going to write a chapter speaker for today. So please, please give him your your uh, undivided attention. Let's give Andrew a, let's give Andrew a hand. Well, I'm grateful to be here and I'm humbled by that introduction. Um, you know, it, it feels good to hear that because sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm making that much of an impact, but um, I'm not responsible for the fruit. I'm only responsible for delivering the message. And I want you to know, you know, this, this month's theme being peace and contentment um, kind of took me aback because I've gone through two or three months where there hasn't been a whole lot of peace and contentment. I've been very uh, disenfranchised at times, um, but there's an ultimate peace that I have felt um, because I'm following the Lord. And because ultimately, no matter what happens, He has a plan. And I don't know... Um, you know, I feel like I've lived on the edge some of the last couple months so I would definitely be over the edge if I didn't know that for a fact. Before we open today I just want to mention the prayer requests. Um, there is a prayer request box over there and we do care about those. Um, I noticed that some of you had written in there um, that you were looking for direction for different things in life, that you were looking to surrender your life um, fully over to the Lord and that you are trusting him for the future even though you don't know what that holds and uh, to tell you the truth once again it's almost as if I wrote one or more of those because that's basically where I'm at but uh, let's open in a word of prayer and, and pray for these requests and then we will get into the topic of our study 
Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you and we ask you to bless this day. We ask you to bless this chapel service. We ask you, I ask you to anoint my words and give them your message. Allow me to be a vessel of your spirit to deliver your words to your people. And Lord, I just pray for these people who've expressed a need for your intervention, Lord, that you would meet them where they are, that you would uh, give this person who desperately needs a home a home, and that you would grant employment to those who need employment, Lord. Um, these are our two basic necessities of life, and uh, you know these things. And yet sometimes, Lord, we confess that we don't understand your ways. And we just pray that we would continue to trust you, no matter what you do, because it's always good. We pray that as we open your word and study peace and contentment today, that you would show us what it is to have real peace and contentment, and that we would separate it from the world's ideas and from the world's ways. Because the wor there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. But at the same time, your Son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And he also said, If the Son, therefore, shall set you free, you will be free indeed. And so we just pray that that would happen today, that the Spirit would have free reign. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, in whose righteousness we stand. Amen. All right, well, today we're going to talk about three different individuals. And uh, two of these individuals sought the world's way of peace and contentment, and one of these individuals found God's way. There's a stark contrast between these individuals. I'm going to start with a story in uh, Mark chapter 10. If you have a Bible, um, you can go there with me. If you don't, I would encourage you to look it up at a later time. M Mark chapter 10. Um, and I will give you the verse number as soon as I find it so I can get it exactly right. But in Mark chapter 10... As I continue to turn there, we will see, I believe it's verse 17, but um, let me, uh, uh, can you hear me now? All right, I guess the microphone wasn't on, so I hope you heard most of what I said before. Um, but let's just read a few verses starting in Mark chapter 10. Verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, 
defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and then thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, Hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So this first story, we have a an, uh, rich young ruler. We don't know if he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee, but he was a ruler of some kind. And he had great wealth. And the first thing I want to talk about is to clear up a misconception. Because a commonly held misconception would be that this passage is condemning wealth of all kinds. I don't believe that is what the scripture is saying. But see, Jesus, when we look at a man, we see his outsides, at least first. Even those of us who try to get to the heart of the matter cannot help but seeing the outer man first. It's a human tendency and something that we are restricted to unless we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was God in the flesh, so he had a way of looking into a person's heart the first time he saw him. And this man, Jesus saw, had a problem. He kept the outer letter of the commandments, but he missed the heart attitude. Jesus spoke to a very real problem in this man's life. Does anybody remember what the first commandment is? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's interesting that, that Jesus didn't start out with that command when he's talking to this guy. But... Um, Maybe that was just his way of starting the conversation. But anyway, he realized that this man, although he seemed to be fulfilling the letter of the commands, was missing the number one. Because he loved his wealth more than God himself. Is money bad? No. Money is a vehicle which God gives us to accomplish certain things. And those who have a lot of it, many of them have been very generous with it. 
We wouldn't have most of what we have in downtown Grand Rapids if it weren't for two men who happened to be Christians. I don't think this is coincidence. Dick DeVos and Jay Van Andel. Now these men often get criticized because they're wealthy. But you want to know something? If you read their story, you will find that they worked very hard to get the wealth that they have. And for their children, they didn't just hand them a future on a silver platter, even though it sometimes seems that way. Because if you read Dick DeVos's book, and the title escapes me at this point, but he said that rather than have his dad hand him a high up position in the company right off the bat, number one, he made him go to college. Number two, he made him work every single position in every single department so that whether you were a factory worker or a CEO, Dick DeVos would understand in some way what it meant to hold that position and to be one of those people. I say this only to say that when you go to the Van Andel Arena or you go to the DeVos Children's Hospital or the, the Elena Meyer Heart Clinic or any number of these things, it's easy to say, well, these guys are, are rich. I don't like the fact that these guys are rich, but because of their riches, they've been able to do things to revitalize the community of Grand Rapids that we never could have done by ourselves. So, next time you think about criticizing someone who is wealthy, think about that. And I'm sure they employ many employees through Amway. But the main point that I want to make is, it wasn't this man's wealth that was the problem. Because you see, if the wealth was enough, and from a, from a worldly standpoint, it should have been. I mean, how many times have you said, I know I've said this, if I just had a million dollars, everything would be all right, I could put it in the bank, I'd live off the interest, I wouldn't waste it, you know, everything would be cool. My car would be paid off. I wouldn't have to worry about being beholden to the government. Everything would be cool. But God knows probably that I wouldn't stick to that. Because it's easy to say when I don't have it. So he hasn't chosen to benefit me in that way. And I think sometimes we want God to provide a decade's worth of bread when he tells us to pray for our daily bread. And, uh, and we see in this passage that Jesus loved him and he knew what his obstacle was. And so in a gentle way, he was trying to do what Matthew chapter 7 says because he had no specks in his eye so he has every right to help us remove the planks from our eyes and so he tries to help this man remove the plank from his eye and he says go sell everything that you have 
and then you'll have eternal life. You'll be able to embrace eternal life. And it says that the man went away sorrowing. Now, I won't know until I get to heaven whether this man ever repented, but the Bible seems to indicate that he allowed his wealth to keep him from the kingdom. And then, of course, Jesus goes on and says, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. But then, the disciples don't say, well, then who can be saved? And he says one of the, some of the best words in all of Scripture, with men it is impossible, but with God it's possible. And so, this guy seemed to have everything. He had wealth, he had prestige. From the outer standpoint, he lived a moral and clean life. But he was still sad. He was still lacking. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to Jesus and said, how can I get eternal life? And so, that's the first um, story I wanted to bring to your attention. The second one is in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. And again, I kind of have to uh, search for the exact scripture. Hang on just one second. Uh, uh, we're going to Luke, no, Luke 12. Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. Um, and we will start at verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, of course, this is again Jesus, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall thy things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Once again, was it wrong for this man to have this grain, even to have some in storage? No. But maybe what God was trying to communicate with him is you have enough. And you need to give to others. And just like I was telling you, I don't think God wants us to get to a certain point and then live in the lap of luxury and not have to work. Work came about before even the fall. God put Adam in the garden on the very first day that he was created and gave him authority over it. Um, we're going to work in heaven. And we're commanded to work here on earth. Now there are certain aspects of labor that have been magnified because of what we have done, because of the curse of sin. 
but we are commanded to work. And it predated sin. So work is an important thing. So I think largely, I mean, there's times when we need ease, like going on vacation for a week. A couple weeks ago was great for me just to, to get away from it all. But the Bible has work, the Bible says there's work for each of us to do. And he wants us to be engaged in work. He doesn't want us to be lazy. Um, and sometimes it can be discouraging. It can be tempting to be lazy. I know for me, I'm looking for a job right now. And uh, I'm also looking to expand my ministry and to uh, get more opportunities to preach. And it can be easy to get down when you get a couple rejections, when you get a couple slaps in the face, as it were. I've had some of those in work-related situations and in my personal life, and it's easy to get knocked down and not want to get up again. But God clearly wants us to uh, continue on. And there's an interesting thing about this story. And that is when he got more grain, he's like, I'll build bigger barns. And, you know, it's interesting, if you ever watch sports, I do, so I like to use sports analogies. But when you're watching the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl happens, and then the... Um, MVP, usually a quarterback, gets up on stage, and what's the first thing they usually ask him? Or one of the first things they usually ask him? He just won the Super Bowl, and they usually ask him in, the, in one of the first interviews, can you do it again? Nobody really cares about what happened five minutes ago. They just want to know if he can do it again. So there's no sense of long-term satisfaction from that. It's all about going bigger. I mean, you can have success one minute and be down the next because people don't care about anything except what you've done for me lately. That, you know, you can see it in a president's popularity. Anybody's popularity, you can basically see this. What have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done anything, too bad. And sometimes we get that way toward God and we say, God, what have you done for me lately? But you know what? The Bible says that it's of God's mercies that we're not consumed every day. And the Bible says that having food and raiment Therewith we are to be content. And I know the challenge of these words because it's been difficult for me to live by these words lately. So I'm not telling you anything that I don't myself need to hear. But I, I just want to encourage you to continue to trust God and continue to work hard. You know, the Bible says to wait patiently on the Lord, but it's not the kind of waiting where you're stagnant and you're just sitting there and doing nothing, waiting for something to fall out of the sky. Amen. But it's the kind of waiting where you're looking, what is the next opportunity? What's the next open door? And whether it's preaching a 30-minute sermon like this or whether it's talking to your neighbor at lunch, 
It's still a divine assignment from the Lord. We must not discount the opportunities that God puts in our path, even if they seem little. Because the Bible says if we're faithful in little things, we'll be faithful also in much. So as I exhort myself, I exhort you. Don't be like this rich man. Because you might not be rich in possessions, but you can be rich in other areas. Maybe you have a lot of time right now. But rather than give it to help someone else, you're hoarding it to yourself. And God could say the same thing about you as he did about this rich man. I know sometimes he could say that about me. So I'm just encouraging you. Think out of the box. Don't just think about material things. Because it's easy for those of us who are less on the material end to think things are okay. So let's finish with the proper view of peace and contentment. This is one of my favorite um, people from the Bible. His name is Paul. If you know the story, Paul was a Pharisee. He was persecuting Christians. And then one day, he was going to Damascus to put more prisoners in jail for believing in Christ. Christ met him there and changed his life 180%. And Paul wrote these words, and as I read them, keep in mind that he wrote these words from a jail, and it's not a good jail like the Kent County Jail where you get three squares a day. It's more like a hole in the ground, probably chained to two guards at all times, and yet he writes these words. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abused, and I know how to abound, even where and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He was in jail, in a dungeon. And he wrote these words. Amen. The very fact that you and I are not sitting in a jail today is something we can be thankful for. Amen. The very fact that you can get up under your own power and walk over to the table to get your lunch is something that you can be thankful for. The very fact that I can be placed in my wheelchair by my brother in the morning so that I can have some measure of independence is something that I can be thankful for. And uh, I want to close with a short chorus. I'm going to sing it through once and then if you know it, you can sing it with me the second time through and then we'll close in prayer. But just remember, Paul was more at peace in the jail cell than that rich young ruler was with all the money in the world.
Paul was more at peace in that jail cell than that man who built bigger barns. Because, you know what, he died. Paul said in Timothy, it is certain we have brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. The only thing that you can take with you to the next life is your soul and only by believing on Jesus Christ for your salvation. No amount of good works can do it. The Bible says that even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's because even when I do something right, sometimes false motives creep in. Because I want accolades, I want pats on the back. But when God looks down at me, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. And when the accuser of the brethren, Satan, comes and tries to accuse me, Jesus steps forward as my advocate. And he holds out his hands, which were pierced, and his feet, which are pierced, and his side. And he says, Father, I've paid for that. I took care of that 2,000 years ago. He's mine. And the Bible says that if I'm his, then no one can pluck me out of his hand. Amen. So let's end with this chorus. If you know it, sing along. We'll sing it through twice so that those who don't know it might be able to catch on. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. All right, I want to hear more voices this time. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free and all God's people said amen, amen. <laughs> let's close in prayer shall we Heavenly Father we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word Lord I want to thank you for the opportunity to once again be <coughs> preaching here at Guiding Light Mission Lord what an awesome responsibility but what an awesome privilege it is to be here with these people today lord i pray that uh that i would become more and more each day the kind of man who can say with paul imitate me as i also imitate christ but lord i i find myself often saying with paul the things i would do those i don't and the things that i would not those i do but i thank you for the victory that is possible through you. Lord, I pray that if there be anybody um, today that does not know you, that they would, that would end today, that they would meet the best of masters, and that they would call upon your name. For the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I pray for the unspoken request today, and 
even the ones we talked about earlier, Lord, I pray that you would resolve them in your own way and in your own time. Pray that you would be with us as we go about our way. Pray that you would bless this meal and those that prepared it, right down to the dishwashers and the servers in the food line. For you've said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.